Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. This episode, we're going to talk about insurance. We're all seeing our premiums rise for various types of insurance. We got to talk about what you can do to lower your costs. And later, I've actually got some good news on what has been a shrinking middle class in the United States for the last 50 years, there's some things that are actually promising out there. So one thing you should be happy with is you don't own a home in Florida if you live somewhere else in the 49 states because the homeowner's insurance market in Florida is so broken, so messed up, and you got hurricanes, which we can't control. And then we've got human factors in the state of Florida that have just demolished the incentive for any insurer to be there. And the state legislature in Florida has let the people of Florida down by not dealing with the fraud that has totally infested the homeowner's insurance market in the state of Florida Uh, with all the phony roofing claims and all the other phony claims that the lobbyists for various industries have worked their magic with the legislators. And who do they listen to? They listen to who gives them the money, and they've sold you as a Florida homeowner down the river. Got to fix this. But not just Florida is having a problem with homeowner's insurance. Not just anywhere in America, everywhere is having a problem with auto insurance. Why? Why are we having so many problems right now? Because the cost of claims, the cost of repairing things, replacing things, has gotten so expensive for the insurers that in turn, it has actually gone up in cost for so many of these things for them to pay A number of insurers don't cry a river for them, but they're losing money now. They are actually losing money. And they're going to be raising premiums as a result. So where does that leave you? There are very forward-thinking insurers that are looking at ways to reduce the number of premium claims that happen or claims that happen against a policy anyway. Now, we've talked about over and over again for the last 17 years, the controversy about the devices that spy on you as you drive. And that's a different kind of thing because there's a direct invasion of privacy. You have to decide if it's worth it to save money. And if they don't just hit you with a gotcha and they actually tell you along the way, hey, by the way, You know, 
you're doing too many jackrabbit starts. By the way, you're following too closely. So I drive a Tesla, which makes people either love me or hate me for driving a Tesla. But Krista, I want to bring you in here since you also drive a Tesla. (laughs) Are you allowing them to track your driving? Uh, Yes, I do. What's your safety score? I never checked it. Let's check right now. Go to your app. Okay. So my safety score, when I first started letting Tesla track my driving. Or maybe I haven't they, looked. They them. track it in different. You haven't done it? Okay. So they track forward collision warnings. How often do they have to uh, do an alarm because I'm too close to somebody in front of me. I could run into them. Hard braking, aggressive turning, unsafe following. And since a Tesla can drive itself, uh, you are also supposed to pay attention while it's doing it. It's called forced autopilot disengagements, meaning I wasn't paying attention to the road while I was driving. How many of those do I have? Share it, Krista. How many do I have? Uh, right there. Zero. 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 Good. Okay. My safety score when I first started letting Tesla track me wasn't very good. Now it is a... 97. 97. So it's made a real difference in how I drive because they're coaching me every single day. Just like my fitness trackers are coaching me all along. My Tesla app is doing it. So the auto insurers, my thinking is don't just say, hi, we got you. We got you. You were driving 87 on the freeway and a 65. No, no, no. Instead, guide people. Nurture them. Don't use it as a gotcha, which so often seems to be the case with the auto systems you plug in the car. They're just looking to see if you're bad instead of trying to move you along day by day to drive better. And I can tell you the behavior modification worked with me. So now the way I am, I'm, I'm so bad about this. I so want to do things right that I have a 97 instead of a hundred is bothering oh, gosh. me. But anyway, I'm getting there. I'm getting there <laughs> with homes. As I've shared before, one third of all dollars spent on home claims are water damage and more and more smart homeowners insurers are offering you free systems to install that will monitor water in your house to eliminate the damage from those water leaks. This is the kind of stuff we need to be partners with homeowners insurers to reduce the possibility of claims, reduce the likelihood of them, save them money, they can make more money for their stockholders, and in turn, save us money. The insurance industry has so historically been a very, very traditional stubborn industry. It's time for the insurance industry to become proactive and be partners with their customers. This has already happened with more and more business lines insurers. It's time for this to happen with homeowners insurance so it can be more affordable. In the meantime, if you're with an insurer that just, oh, this is how we do business, 
and you get a big premium increase from them. If you haven't had any claims, go shop your homeowner's insurance. Go see what you can do. I talk about shopping for auto. Shop for your homeowner's insurance. Make sure the coverages are the same as what you have with who you're with. Now, in addition, another thing I want you to do with these homeowner's insurers, can you say it? Raise your deductible. Mm -hmm. You've heard me say that forever too. Raise your deductibles. You got to make sure you don't raise them above if you have a mortgage above what your mortgage lender will allow, but raising your deductibles can have a big effect on your insurance premiums for homeowners. And never, 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 not ever make a small claim on your homeowner's insurance. Homeowner's insurers brilliantly treat a $1,000 claim the same as they treat a $100,000 claim and how you're treated reputationally with them and by other insurers. Never, ever make a small claim. If you take that higher deductible, avoid making a small claim, you save money now, you save money later. All right, and uh, Ken in California has a question about health insurance. He says, what's the hidden agenda for private insurer insurance carriers to sell member services like health screenings? I would think insurance companies would prefer to discourage claims. Are they trying to document pre-existing conditions to prevent (laughs) consumers from shopping for better rates. Ken, I'm sure there are people in the insurance industry that are that despicable, but generally what they're trying to do when they offer uh, screenings for different things, like trying to get you to get a diabetes screening or whatever it is, they're doing it to reduce an unknown condition leading to huge costs for them. It's not altruism, uh, but the direct result could be that it improves your life or saves your life if they're offering screenings. But to offer a screening as a way to to redline you for insurance or something like that, no. This is from Aaron in Missouri. You often recommend having at least two credit cards from two different issuers. For married couples, should each partner have one card in their name and add his or her spouse as an authorized user, or should each partner have two cards individually? Each should have two cards individually because you never know what happens in life. I shared the story of my late mom when my father died back when I was a young man, and my mom had no credit in her name at all, and it was a mess dealing with that. It's really important in a couple that each person in the couple have a fully established credit identity and this Noah's Ark thing, minimum two credit cards from two different companies for each person. You could then make the other an authorized user. So then effectively you each have the use of four cards if you want, but yes, two each. Jacob in Oregon says, I'm 18, about to go to college, and I have a big collection of shoes. There's a nice (laughs) pair of Nike Jordans that I've been saving up for, but I'm discouraged by the price of the shoes. Their original price is $150, but there are only so many that can go on sale, and they get bought out instantly. If I wanted to buy them on resale, their price would set me back $1,500. Do you think this is like scalping tickets for concerts, and do you think it's a good time to buy a pair like this? Uh, Yes, it is like scalping tickets to concerts. 
And no, I would never think it's a good time to buy a $1,500 pair of shoes. I have no fashion sense at all. And it's just not going to happen. I want to ask you, Krista, before we go on, what do you think of my new kicks here? They're very nice. You're running shoes. Okay, so these are... What I do, I wear a particular style of Saucony running shoe that was fit for me originally at a running store. And so what I do is always buy one generation back, and then I pick the color that people don't want because the prices are variable on last season shoes. And these new, if I buy the current style retail, I think at 160 165 mm. these were $39 on, I think I got them on eBay. 39 bucks. They're just like I expected. They wear just like my prior ones. They're fantastic for running and walking. And so here you are thinking, Jacob, should I spend $1,500 on a collector pair of shoes? And I'm excited about my $39 running shoes. So I'm the wrong one to ask because I just can't. I, I just don't have a brain that allows me to give good guidance. Yeah. But if you save $1,500, good for you. And the $1,500, if you put it in your own account, like a Roth IRA over the years will grow tax-free and will make you rich eventually or very comfortable financially. By the way, I pay my socks. I pay $1.15 a pair, which I figured out. I buy them from Sam's Club. I figured out they were $1.15 a pair for my members' mark socks, their private label. When I about fell over when I read a story about men spending $200, $300, $400 on a pair of socks. (laughs) And and I got to tell you something. These are not some kind of collectible item, Jacob, like uh, having Air Jordans. These are just socks to wear. Wow. My whole collection of clothing may not add up to $400. Unbelievable. Oh, well. Well, anyway, I want to talk about light, just talking lighthearted stuff. Now talk serious stuff. For more than two generations, the middle class in America has been evaporating. And there are a number of economic trends that make me very hopeful that the middle class in the United States is not going to go extinct. There are actually a lot of reasons that I believe that the middle class is on its way back. Okay, it's a pretty bold statement. My belief that the hollowing out of the middle class is coming to an end. But I look at what's happening with the job market. I mean, have you heard this thing about the railroads? The railroads have all these jobs that even the most basic job that may start at 50 grand, typical job, 80 grand, and it's for stuff they train you for. Yeah, you may be working weird shifts and stuff like that, but this is serious money. And this is happening in field after field after field. I talked the other day about auto mechanics. I mean, there's so many jobs that require they call them in economics, mid-level skills. And I don't mean, I don't want you to be offended if you're HVAC or you're a plumber or you're an electrician or any, any trade. The shortage of workers 
is not temporary. This is like a real thing. The workforces have been aging in so many fields where you work with your mind and your hands. The opportunities, not a flash in the pan. This is long-term demographic plays that we are short of people that can do these type of jobs. And the pay levels have been going up and up. Aircraft mechanic. Oh, my goodness. The shortages are so extreme. The pay levels so great. You can find opportunities and hopefully you'll find something that will appeal to you. I don't want you to do something just because it has a paycheck because that gets pretty empty after a while. I want it to be something that you would enjoy doing. Factory jobs even coming back in the United States. United States really had become an importer of goods that more and more we are going to manufacture here in the United States. And why are we manufacturing them here? Well, several reasons. Number one, geopolitical. We've got these countries that we depend on for manufacturing of goods that may be our foe and may use those as a weapon against us, those supplies. It's like why we're doing the new reshoring chip manufacturing in the United States, computer chips. There are a lot of things that we now, because of automation, can run factories that are so efficient, they may need a smaller workforce, a middle-skilled, educated workforce, but the jobs are here, and the things don't have to be shipped across an ocean, put on a train, put on a truck, blah, blah, blah. Over and over again, you can look at sectors of the economy that used to provide a nice middle-class lifestyle, and... The jobs are different, but they're coming back in so many ways. The one thing you don't want to have is just that high school diploma and think you're done. These jobs are going to require apprenticeships, technical school training, something like that. If you're interested in one of these categories, just these categories I talked to, talk to people who own these businesses. Find out how they want you to get trained, where they want you to get trained. And the opportunities for you could last a good significant portion, if not all, of a working lifetime. Krista? This first question is from Michael in North Carolina. We've always heard the general rule that you should have around 15% of your income for retirement, whether that be in a Roth, 401k, IRA, etc., How does that percentage rule work with pensions? I'm a local government employee with a state-managed pension where I have to contribute 6% of each paycheck towards the local government retirement system. My coworkers and I debate this question from time to time. Should that 6% count toward the general 15% goal? I think it should. Obviously, it will be pension-dependent and the benefits they provide. Mine would provide an additional benefit of 1.85% of the average of the five highest salaries I've earned times the number of years of service. Obviously, the more you save, the better. Right. So, okay, a couple of things here, Michael. I don't know from what you've said if you are also going to receive Social Security or not. Many times when you have a state or local pension, it may be in place of eligibility for social security if it is in place of social security you do it plus your 15 percent you're saving in the roth 401k or whatever it would be on the other hand if you're still eligible for social security you're going to expect to work at this job long enough to get what will be a really great pension i mean you think about if somebody stays long enough you're getting essentially half pay or more for the rest of your life from your check 
plus the money you've saved. And if you have Social Security, that too. So if you don't have Social Security, yes, 15%. But if you do have Social Security, you can do the 9% you're talking about, subtract the 6. You'll be in great shape, especially if you plan to stay a really, really long time. This is from Susie in Oregon. Clark, I know you're a generous person, and I'm thankful that my husband is as well. But when he wants to buy me a gift for my birthday, anniversary, or other occasion, the surprise is somewhat spoiled because I'm signed up for automatic notifications when our credit cards are used. I also sync up my Quicken online accounts every day with our banks and credit cards. That makes it impossible for my poor husband. So I wonder what you'd think of this for a solution. What if my husband purchases a Visa prepaid card or Visa gift card? Then he could purchase gifts so they'd still be surprises, right? Would there be any disadvantage to doing this? Yes, because you have to pay fees for those prepaid cards what i would do instead i know it's a radical idea but what if he uses cash to buy your gift withdraws some cash you don't know what's coming you don't know where from you're still going to know how much because you keep all the books but at least that way it would be a complete surprise what you get And from Melissa in Florida, I'm traveling to Europe this fall and I already have my departure flight booked. So I need to book my return flight, which would be a one-way ticket back to the U.S. I found that the airfare for a one-way ticket is almost double the cost of a round-trip ticket. Can I book a round-trip ticket and use it to fly back to the U.S., but then not show up for the return flight to Europe? Is there any penalty associated with doing this? Yeah, Melissa, you're really thinking the way I like, but also... There are a number of deep discount airlines flying from Europe to the United States that sell fares the same one way as they do as one half of a round trip. And uh, Krista went on an old line one. would require that you change planes in Reykjavik, Iceland, but Iceland Air. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a newer discounter called Play. There's Norse, which we've talked about. It's not going to be the same experience as flying on a full fare airline, but you'd be able to buy a cheap one-way ticket. But yes, people do what you're talking about all the time. They buy a round trip, only use the going portion. A trick to save money on that. You buy a ticket from Europe to where you live in Florida, do the return, what's called open jaw, New York back to where you departed in Europe. The airfares from New York to Europe are so much cheaper, you'll lower the price even more doing the ticket again from where you are in Europe to where you are in Florida, the return you're never going to use from New York back to where you departed from in Europe will save you even more money. Have a great time this fall in Europe and what you're thinking of doing should work swimmingly. And I wanted you to know our website, Clark.com is there for you. Whether you want to know the best deal on streaming TV whether you're trying to pick out the right cell phone provider, whether you're trying to buy insurance, any of these things, we are there to serve you at Clark.com. You want to know the best deals up to the minute each day? You want ClarkDeals.com. And with both websites, we also offer free newsletters. Free, you know, I like free. Mm -hmm. Free newsletters to help you make better financial decisions and save money with your everyday purchases. And as for today, have a great one.